All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tailboard Misfits podcast. This is your podcast for creating movement and change and getting a little accountability to the fire service, this community that we love. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. I'm joined by my co-host, Gunnar Michelli. Hey, what's up, guys? All right, well, Gunnar uh, just got in from shift this morning. You know, we actually do this shit for a living, so uh, everything we talk about, it's not bullshit. Um, Some of us actually run college for a living and, and everything, so... We're going to get to that. We'll get to some of the cool stories, talk about some of the cool shit that we get to see. Um, but first, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper on uh, on our careers and, and how some, somewhat of our careers started and kind of build and, and get things going. Um, so starting off, like I said before, you know, I, I started in the East Texas area, worked, uh, started off as a volunteer, worked for some duty crew departments, just trying to, to cut my teeth, get my foot in the door. Um, you know, whenever I, uh, I went to fire school in 2008, coming out of that, we were in pretty bad recession and, uh, there just wasn't any, any paid jobs out there. So did what I had to do, tested all over the place, worked my way up, um, in the Houston area, uh, or I moved to the Houston area and then I worked my way up from, from rookie firefighter, engine operator, um, captain, senior captain. And then I was riding up as a battalion chief quite a bit, uh, there in the Houston area, got to see a lot of cool shit, do a lot of cool shit. And um, then I just recently moved to the Beaumont area, which is where I met Gunner, and uh, got in on the industrial side. Uh, a little bit of change of pace, definitely a different world. Um, but it's been a pretty cool experience. I got to meet a lot of cool people, and um, now here we are. What's crazy is this fucking shit sounds. Met him in Beaumont, but we're from the same town, same neighborhood area you know where we're from it's backwoods hillbilly <laughs> motherfuckers out hills have eyes kind of shit so yeah, um, your neighborhood is 20 miles yeah so i mean it's crazy we have the same friend group and stuff we've heard of each other before we just never linked up and but we go back to tell tell y'all how small the fire service is <laughs> yeah. you really gonna realize it in which if you're a firefighter you already know this so oh yeah for sure um yeah we uh even whenever you were getting getting hired on at the department you're at like i knew probably three or four or five of the guys on your hiring process just from from working around part-time jobs and and trainings all over the place and all that kind of stuff so yeah it was pretty funny yeah connections man it's all about connections oh yeah absolutely but uh yeah man uh i think one of the things we were going to talk about today a little bit was uh just kind of coming in the fire service how um traditions were when i came in versus kind of how they are with you now um coming in what you've been about a year on the municipal side yes okay that's what i thought year next month okay Ooh, moving on yeah uh done run a million calls since then but you're getting in now oh uh, the department <laughs> where i work at i think we average on the med unit 15 16 20 calls a shift and the man and on the engine we still run 12 mm. i mean we're giddy up and boogie you know <laughs> yeah i remember those days for sure um it'll, it'll uh definitely make you good at the job for sure um but uh yeah i just remember coming in you know like i said i i did the volunteer thing um man i got a ton of training the volunteer department i, I had nothing but good stuff to say for being a rural department with very little budget um the fire chief was really really able to squeeze blood out of a turnip for being mm-hmm. able to send us the stuff. We went to trains all over the place. Ran a fair bit of calls uh, for what it was. A lot of wildland fires. Crazy storm shit. Um, good bit of medical calls. 
Um, had, had a fair amount of, of structure fires as well. You know, a lot of trailer house fires, stuff like that. Uh, it's definitely a little different than the city, just for the sheer fact that, uh, you know, you might have one or two guys show up to a call yeah. with, a, with a small volunteer department. So, you know, you're doing everything you can do. You're behind the eight ball immediately because you got a huge dispatch delay, a huge in route delay, all that to go into work in the city. You're popping a 211, two alarm apartment fire that's three blocks away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, especially as an officer, um, a lot of guys don't even understand, um, you know, whenever you're a captain on that first end engine, it's all on you and you're literally rolling in and the whole world is coming down and you have two blocks to figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was definitely a change of pace to go from, uh, a more timely, uh, response where you could kind of get all your puzzle pieces together to, holy shit, I got to get dressed. By the time I'm dressed, I'm there. Yeah. And, oh uh, yeah. Another factor. It's two in the morning. Just ooh. woke up. You know, you're fat and happy. You just got done eating your ice cream for the night. Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that bluebell, it'll get you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just, uh, coming in the fire station, man, I, I remember uh, walking in, being scared. You know, you don't really know. You kind of know what to expect because you went through fire school. And uh, I, did, I went through one of the traditional fire academies that was, um, it wasn't it wasn't an online basis. And, it, you know, it wasn't a night class week couldn't have a job you were there well I worked on the weekends but you couldn't have a full-time job um but you were there Monday through Friday bright and early in the morning until the instructors decided to let you go um very physically based um it was essentially a boot camp getting you getting you whipped into shape um I still to this day I'm not ran that much um (laughs) it was pretty ruthless but um you know, they, they kind of tell you a little bit about what to expect when you walk in the fire station, but you're still nervous, but you're excited as hell because you finally get to put on a uniform um, that has, has your name on it, plus the department you're working for's name on it. You're walking in the door, um, and you meet just these awesome individuals. They're not only, you know, they, they're your coworkers now, but, man, they're like models, um, some of them. Yeah. And... Uh, you're sitting there and it's just these old heads and everything. When I came in, there's still a lot of older guys, you know, like our dad's generation of guys. Um, some, most of them started in the eighties, some in the seventies and they were still on a truck. And, uh, now, you know, one of the things I, I notice on my end, you know, I made captain at 26. Um, course i started at 18 but, but making captain at 26 i was a pretty young captain yeah you were young but, that's my age now and i'm just a firefighter you know man now, definitely started late in the, later in the game you know yeah i was gonna say you, you know you had a career prior to you know this is a, what i really want to do coming out of high school um so that as soon as i graduated high school i started fire academy i wasn't even 18 yet i uh, i turned 18 in fire school but um yeah so there's a huge generational gap you know between the <laughs> Me starting and, and uh, I'm making captain at 26, you know, I busted my ass to get there, don't get me wrong, but it just, that between coming in as an 18-year-old and your captains are in their 40s and 50s. Um, but that's the turn that the fire service is making. Um, you know, that just, that's where we're at. So, um, yeah, we have this conversation damn near every day about the generation and like your most populated age group in the department. And I think it's pretty much across every department. It's the five to 10 year guys and below, oh, you know, there's yeah. no one, very few that's, you know, above the 15 year, 20 year, 
and very, very, very few above 20. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, and there is none of the, the 10 to 20-year senior firemen. Oh, no. There's, uh, there's not one of those. In my, I said there might be a couple. Yeah. Maybe one or two. Yeah, and they're probably they, – they're coasting now. Oh, yeah. You know? But, uh, that, but that used to be the thing from what I hear, you know, man. You, oh, man, yeah. You know, you never want to leave the back of the truck. You wanted to be that nozzle into the day you died. Oh, but, yeah. oh, 100%. I mean, when I came in, I, I was working for guys 15 years in, and they were still kicking doors down. Uh, now, with with the way the fire service is, you know, manpower shortage and everything like that, shit, by the time you're in three years, you got these chiefs that are making you take promotions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're that guy that doesn't want to promote, you're a piece of shit. Oh, absolutely. And it's yep. like – Damn, because, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I had no intentions on promoting. Uh, I just really want – I wanted to ride backwards on a ladder. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a truckie for life, cutting holes in roofs. That's what I wanted to do. And then, uh, you know, the time came uh, after being in for a few years and whatnot. Um, EO test came up. I took the EO test. Um, first one that's offered my department was actually doing a restructure. And they had gone – We. Literally in the time period that I was at that department in, in the Northwest Houston area, man, it was like, shit, 10,000 homes built or something ungodly, plus the Grand Parkway, you know, uh, which is 99, the, the outside loop around Houston. And uh, it was insane, the, the amount of growth and everything that was going on. It was just houses, houses, houses. So this little department went from being a rural one-and-a-half station department to by the time I left, they were – basically four stations but we were running mm-hmm. uh four or five med units depending on um two fully staffed pumpers staff tankers i mean you name it it was there and um yeah that was all within just a few years it was massive growth so i went through that restructure and truthfully man it's, it's kind of egotistical of me but it is just what it is um if you don't like it fuck off but uh yeah i was looking around at the guys that were testing for driver and half of them i had trained to pump half of my I had trained to drive some of these guys ain't drove anything bigger than a freaking Miata and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> coming from East Texas man we grew up we're driving log, uh, log trucks and, and dozers and all this heavy equipment that's just part of life when you're from, from the country where we are so I'm seeing these guys and, and I'm like man I, truthfully I don't know if I really want them driving mm-hmm. they like they've only been driving this fire truck for three months and they, they still ain't really figured out how to use their mirrors and um, so that's why I tested for driver. And um, it got to the point where uh, after I, I, I did make driver, and uh, I was probably, I don't know, I was probably EO maybe a year and a half or so. And uh, we had a couple of cabin openings come up. And uh, I was in college at the time. And um, we did have a captain's test. I was looking around and I was like, man. I don't want. I don't want to drive any of these dudes that are testing for captain. Like these fools are clowns. You know, they're just they're they're literally only promoting for the money. They don't even have remote idea what that that position entails. And most, I mean, you're talking about almost a ten year gap between me and some of these guys um, in, in age. And so they didn't have the experience of coming in and working for those old school guys. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate. One of the captains I worked for when I first came in, he was still back in the days of you drop a two and a half on the ground for everything. Everything. It didn't make a shit. The only thing you get away with pulling an inch and three quarter on was a freaking trash fire. Mm. And this was back in the time, uh, it's kind of unheard of now, but a lot of the older guys I know, back then, man, the only person on the whole damn truck that even had a radio was a captain. That was it. There was no ticks. 
the, the tick was like, damn, what the hell Ooh, is that? What the fuck is that? Yeah, that's like some fancy military shit. Like, I don't even know what that even is or how to even use it. Now, you know, you climb on my apparatus now and almost, well, everybody for sure has a radio. Um, that's, um, that's mandatory now mm-hmm. pretty much for every department that I've heard of. But, uh, yeah, and then now they're moving in a direction where essentially everybody has a tick, well, you know, some form of it. Um, but you definitely have that going in back then, man, it was pretty comical. It, just looking back now, it's like, guys, I wonder we didn't get more people killed. But, um, yeah, it was just you and the captain. So you're pulling two and a half, dropping two and a half, going to the front door. Captain's doing his 360, meets you at the door, and then you're humping that two and a half. And I do remember a time period, um, the officers that I worked for weren't big on it, but there was still guys, they were advancing dry lines. You went into the house and when you got to the seat of fire, you called for water. That was a big deal. Yeah, that's <laughs> with the new studies and research and stuff that's being pushed now, like that's definitely a no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Well, hell, most of your chiefs now, they don't even want you going inside. Yeah. I'm scared you might burn up your gear a little bit and shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's pretty crazy seeing uh, the last 10 years has been a huge transformation in the fire service, just between our technology. Um, our apparatus are absolutely insane. You know, I started off driving a freaking Freightliner. Or actually, let me take that back. One of the first tankers that I drove um, as a uh, uh, a rookie volunteer, man, it was like an old school Mac, like an 80-something model Mac. It was freaking like a log truck chassis with a tank on the back. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. So we went from that to uh, to the shit we have now. Hell, it won't be that much longer. These trucks would be driving themselves. Probably. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a huge transformation in all the technology and stuff. And, and the biggest thing that I see uh, our culture is, is split, is drastically split. We have a lot of guys that want to still follow the old school, which is totally cool. I'm down for that all day long. But with the world being, you know, in the litigation world that it is now, you just can't do a lot of that shit. No. Shit, no. You'll be on the face of Fox News and CNN, <laughs> you know, getting your shit pushed in, and you're going to be homeless fishing Oh yeah, for shit out the bottom of the sewer tank, you know, homeless. 100%. You know. Yeah, unless you, you know, one of these chiefs that want to cherry pick. And uh, we're not going to sugarcoat it. This uh, this podcast, I mean, we're firemen. There's going to be, this is this is kitchen talk, kitchen table talk. We're going to do, we're going to do a fair bit of bullshitting, but we are going to call bullshit on mm-hmm. um, I have no problem putting some chiefs on blast uh, we have a drastic culture problem within the, in the executive officer ranks chiefs ranks there's some phenomenal chiefs out there um, you know especially around the Houston Houston Texas area there's a couple uh, primarily on the north side man there's some younger guys that are that are taking this this mm-hmm. whole job by the reins and uh, uh, I'll just go ahead and give him a shout out you know like Chief Reinwald from East County He's a younger guy, got his shit together, um, and running the fire department in, in a very healthy direction from what mm-hmm. I can tell. I've met him a few times. Uh, he and I have worked around the same people a bunch, um, and he, he seems to be really doing great things with his department. Then we have some of the shitheads that I work for, and, uh, you know, they're still, well, back in my day, all that bullshit, I'm like, Man, you didn't y'all didn't even have fire trucks. Y'all were throwing stone tablets. At <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I can't complete, complain too much about mine. We we do got a pretty good little setup where we got it. Oh yeah, yeah. You uh, you definitely you made a great selection, but uh, yeah, they uh, that's one of the biggest things that uh, that I noticed coming in versus guys coming in now. Um, 
you know, the call volume has definitely picked up. Nuts. You know, the call volume has definitely picked up. And uh, I think that a lot of people don't really realize that. You know, you talk to a lot of the old guys. Um, they might run one or two calls a day. They definitely weren't running the shit on EMS like what's going on now. No, man. So we just had a guy that I work with. He's my partner on the med unit. And he just did a lot of data for the department. And within the last 10 years, we've been – we've probably – not only doubled, probably quadrupled the call volume just in 10 years, you know. Oh, I believe it. And it's, it's nuts, and we can't catch up. And the problems we're running into now is that we're growing, we're expanding, the cities are expanding, but the people that want to be firefighters is decreasing. Oh, completely. And it is putting everybody in a straight-up bind right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's something like that I faced uh, before I left the municipal world mm-hmm. and went industrial was um, – you know, the department I was at, uh, we were in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And, uh, you know, for those of y'all that don't know, the Houston, Houston, Texas area was pretty much an epicenter for, for the COVID. Um, oh, for sure. That's where they were bringing a lot of the patients that were bringing in from overseas and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we ran EMS at my department. We were short staff, man. It got down to the point um, <laughs> our staffing was way beyond critical, um, pretty much down to 25% of the staff we were supposed to have. And the only answer they had, because it was a disaster, it was declared disaster, you know, they are mandatory in us. We were doing 96 on, 48 off for months, months and months. And you can't sustain that in the fire service. No, No, and then, uh, you know, there's no no recovery from it. You can't just make people come do it. You know, Mm -hmm. this is a volunteer job. This isn't, you know, hold a gun to your head, you're going to be a fireman. Um, And that's that's one of the biggest things that that I see. You know, guys, younger guys and stuff will ask me, and I'm guilty of it. Guys ask me what I think about being a fireman. And I'm like, mm, I love it, but it may not be for you. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's a complete sacrifice. You're sacrificing. Your family sacrificing. And if you're married, man, your wife is carrying everything while you're gone. Um, you know, this ain't an eight-to-five job. You're not, you, you're not home on the weekends. You no. miss school events. You miss birthdays. You miss holidays. You miss all that stuff. And it not only will take a toll on you, but that takes a toll on your family and everything else. And uh, then the workload that you have, uh, you know, you and I talk about it before, uh, your time in the military. Mm-hmm. When y'all deploy, you know, you get to go overseas. You do some do some cool shit, see some bad shit, everything like that in between. But when you come back home, there's a, there's a separation there. Um, those of us that are in this business, you know, you – Shit, you might have had to do it 25, 30 years, depending on what your pension is. And you really don't ever get a time off. No, because this is home. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go decompress? Exactly. You know? There's nothing you can do. An hour away from my fire station? <laughs> you know? Like, exactly. You know, it's, 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 it's yeah. wild. Best thing you can do is go to the gym and whatnot. Uh, and, I uh, live there. Yeah. Well, it shows. It's <laughs> so beautiful. But, uh, yeah, it just uh, it, it's pretty nuts. And a lot of people just don't realize that. And they try to come into this business and uh and on this job i think a lot of guys just don't don't see it they think that it's all about either a cool schedule or riding around the fire truck in the shirt picking up chicks you know whatever it is or they they just think okay well i get to work 10 days a month and it's paying forty five thousand a year working 10 days a month they don't realize all no. the back end of that and, <laughs> and really that's kind of they're part of the problem and part of the reason why we we're starting this podcast yeah not only do those guys do that they become drivers they become captains they become chiefs and they become big chiefs and they're running the whole you know fire department and 
might not have the credibility that they need to be able to do that, you know, or the logic, and it shows. Then the experience, Mm -hmm. yeah, it 100% shows, uh, you know, you you work at a place and you you can see it in the policies, if, uh, in the SOGs, if the health and well-being of your citizens and your community that you're serving is not put before what your apparatus looks like, you know, how clean your trucks Mm -hmm. are, how clean your station is, all that kind of stuff, then your chief's priorities are screwed up. Oh, yeah. This is a 100% sacrificial job. You know, it's how it's always been. And that's really, you know, for the true fireman, that should be your mentality. You should be willing to, you know, sacrifice and do your job. And it's not for you. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's not about the trucks you drive. It's about the people that you're serving. And it's about your men and your women that uh, you're serving with. And it's always been about that. It's about that in the military, you know, because at the end of the day, a lot of things are going to be behind a political agenda. You oh, know? Completely. completely. It don't matter how large scale it is or small, you know. And that's why, like, this tradition and this culture, we have to uphold it. And things has got to go back and change back for the better because we'll totally lose it. And you'll get to there, – there might be a time where the fire department is not a fire department. It's a government job that there's a – that they're forcing like a military service to come and do this job within the cities and stuff because no one wants to voluntarily do it. Completely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I see it with, uh, you know, in the Houston area, all the, the media that's starting to involve all the investigations and everything that's going on for against chiefs and, and executive officers that, you know, misappropriation of funds, this kind of scandal, that kind of scandal. Uh, it's just, it's ate up. It's everywhere. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things for me is you have that community's trust for a reason. This is not for you to get to get rich off the backs of the taxpayers because you want to slide this or slide that. And it's not for you to look good in a damn magazine where you created this ISO one department and you bought these new trucks and you bought these new stations and you, 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 so you can go home and sit by your pool in your damn Hawaiian shirt or whatever. And that's not what this business is about. No. If, if that's what your mentality is, and you get fucked completely, get fucked because the taxpayers don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that that I've always said, um, and I'll stick by pretty much to the day that I die, is um, you know when a mama has her baby dying, they're going to hand that baby off to one profession willingly. There's other ones that they you know understand they have to. Mm-hmm. But if they see a fireman, they're going to hand their baby over to a fireman. When the baby drowned, burnt, you know, anything, they 100% trust firemen to do what's right. It ain't chiefs. No. It's, they're, they're not running and, and handing over their, you know, their baby to a chief. They're I had that over. call last month. You know, call came in and, people, you know, two year, two-month-old, five-month-old quit breathing. Mama's waiting at the road. Hands me the baby. I threw him in the back of the ambulance and we hauled ass to the hospital. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they're not doing that they're for waiting a postal on, waiting on or us. something. No, waiting on us. Literally waiting on us, you know, crying the worst day of their life. And when they see us, their eyes just glow. Yeah, because well, we have that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everybody that's lived in this world for longer than about five seconds realizes that trust can be broken pretty easy. Yeah. And when you have firemen that are caught up in every kind of scandal, every kind of everything, uh, you know, and a lot of these guys, that may not necessarily be their fault, but that's just how the world perceives stuff. You know, you mm-hmm. see a guy get a DWI, it's not... Joe Blow off the street gets a DWI. It's automatically such and such firefighter gets a yeah. DWI. Um, and that's just the reality we live in. We're held to a higher standard, and we're always on. You're always on duty. Yeah. I mean, to a default, because sometimes you want to cut loose and forget about it, but 
you're standing at the softball fields with your kids and stuff, and a kid gets their head split open by a bat. They're, everybody in the stands is going to look gonna at look, you. Yeah, they, look at you. They know that you're the fireman. Come on now. Yeah, what are you going to do, you know? And and um, that's just how it is. And and people have to get with that program. It's Yeah. And if you care about this job, you should hold pride in that. You really oh, should. Oh, completely. Yeah, you know, like, if you really care about this job and you care about what you do, that should be prideful to you. You should love that, you know, but... And it's got its, its goods and its bads. You know, you're never off, like you said. Yeah, yeah. You need yeah. to pack up and go to Cozumel if you want. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be able to totally <laughs> get off, don't don't go to the ball fields or uh, uh, or the you know splash pad in town. Mm-hmm. Slip, kid slips and splits their head open. You know, they're gonna everybody's gonna be looking at you, especially if it's a kid in your group. Um, but that's just that's the reality of the position and and everything that we've chosen, and. Um, it's something that people are going to have to stick by. Yeah. It's a, it's a trust that people need to hold, hold dear and, um, and treat it with the respect that it, it, it deserves. Um, I see a lot of guys that, that are coming into this profession. Really our, our recruitment needs to get a little higher standard. I don't know if it's going to take pay. I noticed you shared a meme earlier that said that, uh, what, what is that? Ret- uh, retention is recruitment. Yes. And, I could not agree with that anymore. No, it's true, man. Your departments, like where you're at, and you know several other Galveston Fire Department, the, these places, you never see people leaving from. They're never post. They're never hiring. Hell, that's where you want to go yeah. work because you know they got their stuff on. Yeah, in which we're starting to see changes now. We are. We're starting to see people leave and stuff like that, and it's be, and it's mostly for pay, uh, but because we can't compete with the Metroplex, that's two hours on the road, starting out firefighters making ninety thousand a year. You know. Oof. You know, like down in Plano and down in, you know, cities like that. But, you know, Longview does a good job with the culture shift. And, like, it, it fluctuates. But right now we're on an uphill swing on a good culture shift, you know. And that's what's got me motivated and stuff like that where I can share this with others, you know, because if we could do it right, everyone else could do it right, and we got to bring the shit back. Oh, we yeah. got to. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Well, that's it, folks. We'll see you all on the next one.